How are you guys doing? And welcome to Moment by Moment. We are in our premiere episode of season three. Man, we cannot wait for you guys to hear the conversation today. My name is JD Mason. I'm the creative minister here at Oak Hills Church. Joined today by none other than Travis Ease, our lead uh, minister here, our senior minister. We're excited for you to be here. And we also have a guest. We have Max Licato with us, yeah. who is a teaching pastor here. And man, we are excited yeah. about uh, today's episode. Thank How are you guys you. feeling? Thank you. Yeah. Feeling good. Good, good. good. Feeling good? Good to be with you. All right. Well, hey, we're going to be discussing humility. All right. Mm. And we're obviously the most humble people that we know. So <laughs> uh, here we obviously. are. <laughs> okay. But no, all jokes aside, uh, this is a topic that I think is, is important for everyone to understand um, from the top down, honestly, because from a high level thought, when you consider humbleness, it really dictates a lot of your life. It dictates the way that you speak to people, the way you treat people. Mm-hmm. Right. But it also can even get into the way that you view Jesus. And so today we're just going to break down our thoughts on it. We know that, you know, there are a lot of different thoughts on humility, but we just want to get to know um, in a conversational style, you know, mm-hmm. what does humility mean to you? Who wants to start us off? Just your own definition of what you think humility means. Well, I, you know, I think uh, one of the best definitions I've ever heard of it is it's it's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. And that, that always kind of gave me a good framework because I know there were times in my life where I tried to pursue humility, but what right. it ended up being was like this false, fake humility, you know, yeah. you're trying to project it, but it's not authentic to what we see in Scripture. So that's always really helped me. Mm-hmm. I like that. I love that story about the little boy who got the most humble award. Okay. And then they took it away because he wore it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that'll do it. (laughs) Uh, Humility is in, in, it's kind of like a butterfly. It's an elusive virtue. And, and once it uh, settles on you, you think you have it and, and, and then it, uh, and then it disappears. Uh, There's that reference in, in Romans 12, where, where Paul says, have an accurate assessment of yourself. Yeah. Mm. Have an accurate assessment of yourself. I think that that to me is uh, humility. Um, humility is, like you said, Travis, not thinking less, less of yourself, mm. but thinking of yourself less. And also it's thinking of yourself accurately. Yeah. This is, this is my assignment. This is my job. And this is what I do well. Mm-hmm. And if a person is, is uh, at peace with uh, who they are and how they've been made, right. then I think the result will be a, an, a fair, uh, fair sense of humility. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the definition um, states a modest or low view of one's own importance. And I think that's, it's a good one, you know, but I don't think it's the best one because it kind of can lead you to almost a self-depreciation, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and that's kind of the next thing I want to discuss is that balance. I know for me, mm-hmm. um, when when I when I tried to lean into humility and living in a humble manner more, it was almost as if I was like saying, "I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Everybody's better than me." And it was almost kind of like you were saying, like almost Travis, like a fake sense of like making sure that I am not allowing myself to even get to a point of feeling good. But then it can be like, well, I, I know I'm good at some things. And so then it feels that fakeness of like forcing yourself yeah. to be like, no, I'm less than everyone. Yeah, You're not less than everyone. You're just, you just have to understand that you're not the best at everything. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's understanding accurately, like Roman says, um, mm-hmm. what your own estimation of yourself is. Yeah, that's really good. But when you think about this self-depreciation, right? So people can lean into this. Yeah. What is some of the downsides of being too, almost forcing yourself to see yourself as less than with other people? 
I think sometimes you miss out, again, going back to this accurate assessment, God has given us spiritual gifts. He's right. given us gifts, and he's given them for a specific purpose, and that is to build up the people around us. So if we're busy trying, you know, like say, you know, being in this false humility or 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 even not even seeing an accurate assessment of ourselves, we are not going to be building people up the way that we could uh, if we said, man, God has given this to me, and mm-hmm. he's... He's created me to do this, and you know what? I'm I'm good at it, and I want to use it to build up other people. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we think of, oh, you're good at it, so you're going to use it for your own platform. You're going to mm-hmm. use it to build yourself up, right? And that's not why God gave us those gifts. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes other people miss out. Yeah. With mm-hmm. and yeah. And, yeah, yeah, the phrase for His namesake, mm-hmm. you know, in the twenty third Psalm, uh, I think is a a, a great part of this conversation, that humility happens, uh, or biblical humility happens as I live my life for his name's sake. Yeah. If my job is to just be small or unseen, that is that false humility. Uh, but if my a positive view of humility is I'm here to make a big deal out of God. Yeah, yeah there you go. So if I'm here to make a big deal out of God, then Consequently, uh, I'll make less of a deal out of myself. Right. And also, I will figure out what my unique assignment is and, uh, and, and try to stay in that lane and do, so, uh, and do so well. I've known some extraordinary uh, leaders like Travis and others who, uh, who lead confidently. Yeah. But with humility. Yeah. Uh, and in other words, I don't feel like they're sh- showing off. But I feel like they're very much in their lane. Mm. Uh, they, 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 uh, they're, they're not dictatorial, but they're confident mm. because they're operating out of their gift mix and doing so for the right reason. Right. You know, mm. uh, other other leaders who feel like they have to constantly be uh, boasting about their position uh, are the ones that that uh, end up needing the title relying heavily upon the, I don't know, the, the, the uniform or the office. Uh, a good leader doesn't have to have his own parking place. Now, mm-hmm. he might request it because it just makes sense because mm-hmm. he can't get in to the building, you know, and he needs to be there, I mean, mm-hmm. practically speaking. Uh, but, but humble leaders don't demand the uh, uh, what's the word? Accrements. Accutrements, okay. the, the mm-hmm. things that make them show off, you know, the yeah. ribbons on the shoulder yeah. Yeah. and things like that. They, they understand and they accept uh, what uh, leadership requires mm. and, and they, they respond accordingly. I like that. I mean, when you consider what you're, I mean, let's just even take, like we've all had bosses before, right? So mm-hmm. when you think about like the best boss you had, yeah. it's kind of like you were, you were describing a picture of like somebody who's saying their title all the time and reminding everyone, hey, listen, I'm in charge because yeah. I'm reminding you again that I'm the boss. You know, things yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, nobody they enjoys, yeah, nobody yeah. enjoys being around that type of person. And so right. I think that's uh-huh. the opposite side of even like how we were talking about the self-depreciating. We, we pretty much hit that one. But then yeah. when you just live in pride, it's yeah. almost, it's yeah. so sad because sometimes it's almost like, do they know how they come across? You know, it's almost like, sure. are you self-aware of how you come across? You know, I was a, I was a, a lineman on our high school football team. Really? I was lineman? A, I know. I know. You met Travis's son. <laughs> That's a real lineman. Yeah. I was half his son's weight. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I can recall, we had a great quarterback. 
And uh, when he came to the huddle, everything changed because he had so earned our respect. And he would say, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. And we knew that's what we were going to do. And when he would say, Locato, you got to pick up that block, I did my best because he had earned my respect. And I think about that. Um, you know, he earned our respect. Uh, we never perceived him as being prideful, but he, he worked hard. He was skilled. He knew his place. Uh, and consequently, uh, was a great leader, was a great leader. And then there, I don't know if I've ever had to play with a quarterback who always had to tell people, hey, I'm in charge here. Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever did. But that's, that's the difference we're talking about, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when you think about coaches, man, um, I yeah. was a wrestler uh, in high school. I did play football, but I wasn't on the line. <laughs> I was a wide receiver and cornerback, but um, obviously. Uh, but my coach was, I mean, the, the leadership style that you're talking about, you'd want to run through a brick wall because sure. his humbleness kind of exuded like he was. He was not somebody that would always rub his accolades in your face. Mm -hmm. uh, one of our coaches was an active Navy SEAL. Mm. He wasn't walking around telling us, mm -hmm. I, you know, this is what I did when I was your age. I was doing this or this is where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And so he, they pushed us in a way that we were like, man, they care about us. They see the potential in us. And sometimes when you're looking in a leader, all you want is for them to see you as important mm -hmm. and to basically help you understand the value that you have. And if somebody's so focused on telling you the value that they have because of their insecurity, then you'll never be able to understand the value that you have. And that's why humble leaders, we remember them for years. That's the truth. I mean, yeah. they just stick with yeah. us because they that's left the such truth. a good impression. Yeah, that's I think whether it's, you know, coaching, parenting or whatever it is, people can pick up on whether you want something for them because of how it reflects on you. Mm -hmm. that's pride. Mm -hmm. But if you want something for somebody because it's actually what's best for them, exactly. you want to serve them, that is also contagious. And people pick up on that as well. And mm -hmm. people want to follow that. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's a powerful thing one way or the mm -hmm. other. Yeah. Self-promotion. We've got a leader here at our church. Actually, he's, he's not, he, um, he, uh, is, is with one of our church plants mm -hmm. now. So he's not, part of our church any longer. He has a PhD in microbiology. Wow. Um, but you would never know it. You would, I've met some PhDs who feel like they have barely cleared their throat when they tell you they are a PhD, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hello, I'm so-and-so PhD. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but this guy, um, Will Mark Sharp, I don't know if you mm -hmm. remember yeah. him, uh, served forever in the children's ministry. I mean, he got down there and messed with the dirty diapers and the crying babies. Yep. But come Monday, uh, he was at a very important research facility wow. here in South Texas, making some major multi-million dollar decisions, lining out things that I don't even, couldn't even tell you what they are, because yeah. if you told me, I couldn't understand it. Yeah. Brilliant guy, brilliant guy. You would never know it. Mm. You would never know it. And that's the kind of guy that uh, is really a picture of humility, great accomplishment, used every skill set God has given to him and yet never shows off. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing, so I've been here for about six months here in Texas and, and at Oak Hills. And so one thing I've noticed uh, is the humility of leadership um, at all levels, but it really starts from the top down, kind of like how I mentioned at the beginning. And so one of the things was that, um, you know, just being able to have conversations. Um, Travis and I were, were having like one-on-ones and we we're just discussing like what our ideas were. And I was like, man, this is, this is kind of refreshing, like just to be able to have conversations mm -hmm. about things. And then Max came by and knew my name. I was like, Hey, like <laughs> that was just, it was, it's the small things that kind of, that, that go really far for people because it, when you see other people um, and you kind of, 
you get to share and pour into them so that they walk away with the knowledge that this person cares about me, not because of what I can do for them, right? Not because of something that they can do for me. And, and I'm really trying to build you up so that you can go in my benefit and I can say they did this, but it's really, it has nothing to do with you. And it's really about the other person. And I mean, that's the person that we see in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus did that for other people. Mm -hmm. He built people up and we see that throughout the Bible. So really the next part is we've talked about the practical applications we've seen. What are some biblical stories maybe that you have, maybe people in the Bible that you've read about that you're like, man, this person exudes humbleness. This is a great example. Yeah. Who wants to start? I think, Max, I think it's your turn to go I, first. I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Travis has been teaching the church to better understand uh, the book of Philippians. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when we think about the greatest story of humility, uh, Paul said, in your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything, but he did not think that being equal with God was something mm. to be used for his own benefit. Wow. So there's a picture. Uh, he had a status unlike any person that's ever walked or will ever walk on the earth, but he didn't use it for his own benefit. Yeah. He didn't throw his weight around. In yeah. other words, he didn't drop names. Can you imagine, I mean, if Jesus had dropped names, you know. Well, I was talking to Moses, and you know, I remember when Gideon was hesitant. He didn't do any of that. Yeah. You know, he, he, he didn't do that. Now, watch this. He gave up his place with God uh -huh. and made himself nothing. Uh -huh. So he gave up his place with God, made himself nothing. He was born as a man became like a servant when he was living as a man. He humbled himself and was fully obedient to God, even when that caused his death, death on a cross. Mm. So in my mind, I see, a, I see a descending stairway made with these verses, mm. uh, Travis and, and J.D. Uh, he, was, he had a place with God, but he made himself nothing. He was born as a man. He became like a servant. When he was living as a man, he humbled himself. He was fully obedient to God. And then finally he died, even death on a cross. Mm. So every stage went just a little bit lower. Yeah. And then, consequently, so God raised mm. him to the highest place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so God takes over. Yeah. Because Jesus was willing to humble himself, God raised him to the highest place. And God made his name higher or greater than every other name, so that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus, and everyone in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and bring glory to God the Father. And so um, Jesus himself lived out the promise of God that if we humble ourselves, God will exalt us, but if we promote ourselves, God will humble us. Mm -hmm. So he humbled himself. And consequently, his name is the greatest ever spoken. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, and Jesus, he showed this to us. And I know we've got a lot of people listening right now. Maybe some believe in Jesus, maybe some do not. But when we, we look at the one that we believe in and, and aspire to, to be like, uh, he was the one who understood that all power and authority was, was within him, mm. yet he washed feet. Mm -hmm. And I see those things in Jesus's life, and it's like if, if anyone had reason to be prideful yeah. or arrogant, mm -hmm. it would have been him. Mm -hmm. So who am I to think that I have more reason, mm -hmm. you know? And I think the other thing to point to is that Jesus 
chose humility. And mm-hmm. then Paul would come along and he would say, I am choosing the mindset of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing humility. Mm-hmm. So it's not like humility is one of those things that we're either born with or not. It's not yeah. one of those. Well, some people just have the gift for that. And you right. know, some people just no. it is a choice. Mm. And, it, and it is a choice to, to understand yeah. uh, who you are and, and whose you are and, and what you have. And for that to, to bring us to humility. Mm-hmm. I mean, even that last line, even to death on a cross, mm-hmm. you know, even to that point, uh, that that's just pretty amazing. That's, that's someone I want to follow. Yeah. And when you think about what that means for us, right? So if you're driving in your car right now and you're thinking, okay, am I called to die on a cross? Well, consider what you need to die to, right? It's yourself. It's your pride. That is what we're discussing specifically is dying to your pride will create the window and opportunity for humility. Mm. When you take that out and you replace it with something new, right? It's kind of mm. like when you're breaking a habit. When you're constantly giving yourself accolades or giving yourself attaboys, you take that out and I need to fill it. Okay, well, let me let me consider how I can give, you know, talk to somebody else, build them up. Mm. But really, I mean, when I think about Psalms chapter eight, verse three through four, David is discussing how he sees creation. And this is for me, one of the things that I, I just love about the Bible is how it always, um, It'll take it'll take us a, a thought and it'll just make it even bigger. So when I think about creation, David just made it it sounded so much better because when I think about what God has done, you drive by it every day, you live in it every day, right? We're in this world, but David is is surrounded, you know, by by uh, just whatever he needs, right? King David, he says, when I consider your heaven and the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars, boom, right there, right? I mean. Let's just stop and look at how great the stars are. The moon, right? I mean, these are these are like I know I've heard stars described as like this balls of energy that are burning and spinning super mm-hmm. fast, like way out of our galaxies, right? And then it says, which you have ordained. So God has created each star, ordained each place for it. So this is the God that we serve. And it says, What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. Let's all learn from our Lord Jesus Christ, the paragon of humility and all godliness from this. Because when you consider that's the God that we serve, that's the Jesus that came to this earth, has all knowledge Mm. of all these things. And like you said, I mean, it is kind of interesting. He could have talked about Gideon. He could have talked about all the great stories and know he's like, hey, I was there when he was doing this. So Mm. I don't know why you guys are questioning me on the day of Sabbath. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he could have had a couple of snapbacks, but he... He ate it all up and he said, you know, he, he had a time for everything. And I love how you kind of broke it down because that is the picture. Like, and then the final thing is we're to die to ourselves is how we make room for that humility in our lives. Cause you can't serve two masters, you can't do both, you know? And I think it calls us to a good, a good place of like understanding. Yeah. So in a practical way, give us some things that, I mean, so I'm just give you, I'm going to give you guys one for free. This is what uh, me and my friends used to do. We used to do push ups every time. Uh, obviously, I'm not big anymore, so I've kind of mastered it. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we would do push ups every time we made a mistake. So, every time, so if we were practicing uh, humbleness, every time we'd be like, man, I did this or I did that, right? We would, man, I got to knock out like 15 right now. You know what I'm saying? And then we'd rack them up and then we'd keep each other accountable. Um, now, if you're listening and you're, you're like, hey, I'm not doing push ups, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, they're going to give you some other options. But what are like some practical ways that we, we can keep it our mind of how to practice humility? Because it, it is difficult. You know, it's, it's a mindset shift. You know, mm. what are some things that you guys would give out to people right now? Mm. You know, I, I think a lot of this comes from our relationship with Jesus. So if you're not abiding in Christ, or if you're not really grounded in your relationship with the one that we just talked about, who was the ultimate example of humility, right. you're probably not going to see that 
in your life. So, you know, some people are listening right now and they're thinking, well, give me some steps to this. That would be the number one thing that I would tell somebody, because again, if you're outside of a relationship with Jesus, you're trying to, uh, exude humility, that's probably not going to come across in an authentic way. So having the prioritization of the relationship with Jesus from within and then letting that be your guide. And I would say that starts every morning when you first wake up Mm -hmm. every every day. So it's not a one-time decision, but Mm -hmm. it is a moment by moment kind Mm -hmm. of thing that that you're, that we're practicing. Moment by moment. You got that in there. I didn't know if you could. You did it. it (laughs) Awesome. Max, what do you have? Practical steps. I've got, I've got several ideas. How much time do we have? We have all the time (laughs) you need. Come on. Um, yeah, I've got an advantage, uh, because I'm a, I'm an old converted drunk. I don't know if you knew that. Um, I was, uh, served Coors before I served Christ. And, uh, I honestly believe had it not been for Christ, I, I, I would have been such a mess by this point if I was even alive at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I would not have been a good husband, uh, very misogynistic, uh, brawler, fighter kind of guy, uh, heavy drinker. And I, I just, I was a mess. I was a mess. And so uh, I'm blessed to have a, a testimony that's that's a bit dramatic. And in some ways, uh, of course, I would have loved to have that part of my life back uh, because I did damage to people during right. those years. Right. Um, but the blessing that comes out of uh, that season of life is that uh, I know if it were not for Christ, you know, how yeah. would, I mean, it, 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 was yeah. an, it was a train going over the track. And mm. consequently, I guess one of my favorite ever uh, stories is um, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace Mm. Why have I gone blank on his name? Wrote it on a ship, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. The blind, but now I'll see. I'll think of his name as soon as we finish this podcast. I promise I will. <laughs> we can look that up. At, later in his life, uh, he was he preached all of his life in London. And uh, late in his life, he was growing so blind he could not see. Mm could not see and he would have to have a young boy come up in the pulpit with him and uh point out where he was in his notes Mm. and they asked him do you want to stop preaching and he said shall the old african blasphemer be silent while he can yet speak and then he said there's two things i know i'm a great sinner but i serve a great savior Mm. That beautiful line, I'm a great sinner, but serve a great Savior. And so I, I, I think that's an advantage uh, because uh, those of us who have truly made a mess out of life, uh, every I don't have to remind my every day. And when I see somebody who has that same battle, uh, compassion comes easy for me because yep. I know how easy that could have been. John Newton. John Newton. Mm. I can't believe I went blank. Yeah, I've on heard that. a story about can I when chalk he wrote that, that up to old age. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You can. Travis, we don't get passes yet. No. Uh, no. <laughs> we're getting close actually. Uh, You're getting okay. close. Close enough. Close enough. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, humility is something that um it's a daily practice. But yeah. one other thing I wanted to ask is when you guys get compliments, right? How do you respond? Practically, 
Like, what do you say? So Max, I think you're in a unique position. Uh, and that's why I was excited to have you for this particular topic. So when somebody says, man, we love your book yeah. or we love that sermon, yeah. what, what is your, do you have a normal response that you say? How do you, how do you tackle those? You know, um, when, you know, I write books and have for so many years. And the first year when I wrote a book, um, a, uh, a man who owned a bookstore, uh, invited me to come and have a book signing. Uh, we don't do those as much anymore. COVID kind of took care of mm, that. Yeah. But used to, you'd go into a bookstore and you'd uh, you'd sign books. And uh, two funny stories. One, one funny story and then one serious story. The first ever book signing I had, nobody came. Oh, man. Nobody came. And so I was seated at a card table in the middle of the bookstore. <laughs> and I just sat there. And I had a stack of my first book sitting out there. And I kept waiting for people to come by. And nobody came. The longer and longer. So I started kind of sliding that table back, yep. back, back, back until I wasn't in the aisle any longer because yeah. I was so embarrassed. Nobody yeah. came. And so, so much for being egotistical that day. <laughs> uh, and, and then the second time I had a, a book signing, some people did come and it, they were very gracious. The bookstore owner took me to the side and he was an older man. He said, I've seen a lot of authors come through. He said, one word authors never learn, and that is, thank you. Mm. He said, people come, they tell you that your book helped them. They tend to go off on the big, uh, I don't know, speech. He said, don't do that. People give you a compliment, just say thank you. Mm. Just say thank you. And I really took that to heart. And and, and I, I try not to make a big deal if somebody says a nice thing. But fortunately, I've had enough people say critical things that I can counterbalance the <laughs> nice things, yeah, yeah. you know. And so I just say thank you, and then I think about some of the critics that have come my way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, because I think it would, um, you know, that'd be that'd be different to be able to manage, you know, when you have a lot of people on a high platform constantly telling you, "Man, you're awesome." Well, yeah. To find that balance, you got to balance. You got to re- deflect it. You got to quickly deflect it. You can't take it. Too, and I've heard Travis say this. You just can't take it too seriously. You can't. You know, fifty percent of your compliments and your criticisms are without merit. Mm. Yeah, they really are. That's good. I mean, yeah. at least fifty percent. They, they're they're saying what they think they should say in a compliment, right. and they're saying what they feel like they got to get off their chest in criticism. So immediately deflect about fifty percent of it, yeah, and even maybe uh, maybe more. Um, and uh, just a practical thing, uh, I, I think it helps to make a big deal out of the success of others. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Travis does this really well. If you compliment him, he'll be quick to compliment our team. You know, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll say, yeah, but I couldn't have done it if it wasn't for, and, and then, uh, he'll, he'll just make a big deal out of the success or contribution of others. I like that. And I, I think that's, that's number one, that's good leadership. Uh, number two, that keeps the spotlight off of him or us. Mm-hmm. And right. then it honors people. It honors yeah. people because the truth of the matter is these guys who play football and they get up and they strut and they pound their chest. Hey, they couldn't have done it one for 10 other guys. Right. right. That's right. They ought to go 
say use all that energy in thanking the guys who blocked for them. That's right. And uh, the parents that fed them. And the parents that? that fed them. Okay. And, and, yeah. and, right. the, and the school that paid their tuition. Come on, come on. Yeah. You know, one of the best uh, bits of advice I ever got was just don't believe your own press. Yeah. Whether it's on the good side or the bad side, you know, just like what you were just saying right there. And I think that that really helps. And then just, you know, when somebody comes to you and they, they want to compliment you, really what they're doing is they want to encourage your spirit right. a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, then it's just natural to be grateful for that and to say thank you. And yeah. I did the exact same thing. I think going back to the false humility, there was a time where someone would try to give me a compliment and I'd be like, oh, you know, well, this wasn't that good. Or, yeah. you know, it was just deflecting that because I thought that was humility. And the, and the truth is humility is just being yeah. able to say, thank you for taking time to encourage me. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the gift of encouragement. Thank you for sharing yeah. that with me uh, right now. You know, sometimes, uh, Travis, when somebody says something nice to me, uh, I will say, well, anything in particular in that message help you? Mm-hmm. And, and I'll kind of pay attention because it's a good chance to pick up on things, of the, you know, the points of the message that, that, that connected with people. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a great tip as well for criticism <laughs> on the other side yeah. of that, you know, yeah. was there something in particular, you yeah. know, that, and you can, you can yeah. learn. And I think that's humility too, is yeah. being a learner. Yeah. I've got something to learn from people. Yeah. And I think humility is saying, I've got something to learn from people who are older than me, exactly. younger yep. than me, different yep. stages of life. So mm-hmm. there, there's not like this certain type of person mm-hmm. that I can learn from and other people I just kind of push that's aside because point. they don't have as much to offer. Yeah. I think that's humility. Everybody can teach us something. I can be speaking to a child and there's something I'm going to learn. Yeah. Probably yeah. more than I want to a yeah. lot of times. With that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good point. And also, I mean, just to go to the other extreme, um, there was a point where I felt like I needed to give God 100% credit, but not in a healthy way, more in a, I didn't even do anything. That was all God, right? Like I was mm. a puppet. <laughs> like, yeah. so when I spoke yeah. before, one yeah. time somebody, you know, would come up and, and um, I was like, man, that was all God. Mm. man I couldn't have done it without him and it was just it was just almost like a it was a false sense of me like Mm. acting like I'm just saying that God just used me in a magical way you know he magically just used me and I blacked out right yeah and I've heard it done that way and then somebody was kind of like well no you did I mean you spoke like you studied yeah Yeah. I mean that was you were actually walking right and you were talking right and I was like yeah "Yeah." and it it kind of brought me back to a place of like a more of a middle ground you know because there is another extreme and I've heard other people be like man that's all God I'm like well it was a little you right I mean right Mm -hmm. it's your personality you your words and so almost on the opposite end of that spectrum if you're listening today and you're like man I you know I just always like attribute everything to God yeah. Whenever somebody gives me a compliment, just remember he used you, your talents, your skills, and you studied and you know, you did the work. It's not to say that it's all you, obviously. I think it's a healthy balance of saying, man, God allowed me, man, to really use mm, this yeah. platform to use the personality that he's given me, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like a nice, happy middle ground, but I love mm-hmm. uplifting others and saying, man, this wouldn't have been possible without man, our lighting guys, without mm-hmm. our audio people, you know, without yep. the set decorators, like all those things I think yep. are very healthy because there's always going to be somebody that attributes to the success of one person. You know, yep. it's never just mm-hmm. the one person that you see kind of like you just said on the, on a team. It's never just that one person. It's the coaches, you know, it's the people with the trainers, the people that put in the work in the background. And then, and I think, mm-hmm. I think I like that. I feel like for most of us, we can, we can walk away with that one and be like, yeah. we can always thank others yeah. um, whenever we get a compliment. So yeah. I like that. That was good. Yeah. And I think it's a beautiful thing that God has chosen to use us and to work through us, just mm-hmm. the way that he created us. I, my prayer has changed a little bit. I used to pray, I, not 
uh, usually before I would speak or, or preach. I don't know why I didn't do this in other areas, but I would I would pray something like, God, just let me get out of the way and you just 100%, you know, right. come through. And, and I kind of understand that. But then I, I started to realize God has given me experiences and a voice that he's actually choosing to speak mm. through. And so my prayer has changed a little bit now mm. that he would speak through me and not just get me out of the way, but he's actually chosen mm. to, to speak through us, not just speak, but whatever that giftedness is that we have to be able to do those things through our unique giftedness. Mm. It's having an accurate understanding of you. Can I tell a story? Yeah. When I first, uh, when I first got out of seminary, before I had a job at a church, I went to St. Louis, Missouri. Mm. There was a, a pastoral training program, and they accepted twelve people a year, and you go and learn to do everything from hospital visitation to counseling, even to to, to preaching. And uh, I was fresh out of school, and I thought they were really lucky to have me in that program. <laughs> I thought these guys, man, they they've just got to be so impressed when they, you know, read about you know what I did in college and the grades and the offices. I just know they're so lucky to have me. And about the third or fourth day there, uh, the director of the program invited me into his office, and he did so with the phrase, "I've got a special job for you." And so I kind of thought, whoa, baby, you know, I made I it. To, yeah, he's <laughs> probably going to want me to go on the lecture circuit or write some <laughs> sermons for him. And Come I went on. in and uh, sat down at his desk and there was uh, not uh, sit down beside his desk. And there was another fellow in there who was uh, named Harold and uh, he was in a wheelchair. And uh, the director of the program said, Max, every year I put somebody in charge of Harold. Harold suffered from cerebral palsy, mm. and he loved Christ and loved church life, uh, but he was utterly dependent upon others to get him around, and so uh, uh, he had to have somebody, you know, pick him up at his house, had to have somebody push his wheelchair, had to somebody load the wheelchair into the back of a car, had to have somebody tie his necktie, had to have somebody take him to the bathroom. He had to have somebody there all the time. Mm. And so the director put me in charge mm. of Harold. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I did not like that idea. Man, I did not like that idea. That was not the glamour of ministry that I wanted. Mm. And um, But I did it. I did it, you know. And uh, so I, I can't tell you how many times I physically had to lift him up and set him in a wheelchair yeah. and had to lean down and flip the foot things down, push his feet uh -huh. up on him, you know, all those things. And this went on for several weeks, and I was grumbling about it and grumbling about it and grumbling about it. And uh, I do recall things kind of changed, though, because one Sunday I was sitting next to Harold, as I always was, in a Sunday school class. And uh, the teacher was teaching out of the book of Philippians. And he looked at the, he took the passage in humility, count one another better than yourself. Mm -hmm. In humility, count one another better. And he asked the question, the teacher did, uh, think about the person to your right. Well, guess who was sitting at my right? <laughs> it was Harold. And he said, uh, can you honestly say that that person is better than you? Mm. Boom. That's I good. couldn't. I thought I was better than mm. Harold. Yeah. I really did. I thought I was more important 
to God. I wouldn't have said it, but down my heart said, I'm more important than Harold. And uh, that was a lesson I I probably need again. I probably need another (laughs) Harold uh, to take care of because that was a lesson. And so, and that's a long answer to your, to your question, but I think one practical way to in, to develop humility is to celebrate the significance of yeah. others, just to celebrate yeah. that person is important, regardless of where you see them, regardless of what they're doing, regardless of how you've met them, that person matters to God. So just celebrate the significance uh, of other people. That's good. That's good because, I mean, it's practical. And that's real life because, and I think another thing to add on, if I could, would just be to celebrate those who can't do anything for you after you celebrate them. There you have it. You know, Mm -hmm. like somebody who's genuinely just has nothing to do with like Mm. what you do. They can't benefit from this certain thing that you might say or the way that you could help them. But it's truly like a self-sacrificing thing. Like, you know, I care about you this much, Mm. you know? And I think it would change you. It's kind of like when you go on a mission trip and you serve. Sometimes Mm. the person that changes is, is you. You're mm-hmm. the person when you start serving and you start seeing how you can be the hands and feet of God mm-hmm. in those moments and it makes yeah. it clear as day. Yeah. And I think this may be getting into a little bit of a different topic, but the power of encouragement to yeah. mm-hmm. celebrating others, people will live up to the encouragement that you give them. A lot of times I know I'm, I'm one of them. I've been encouraged into the things that I've been able to do that I on my own would never have thought that I could. Mm-hmm. So there's a real power in that. And I think that's another byproduct of humility. That's why it's so important because of the impact that it has on those around you. That's good. So I think a good takeaway from this episode is to have a right estimation of yourself mm-hmm. and encourage others yep. is like the practical out the way that you can live that out is to encourage others, make yeah. others, you know, just make more of them, yeah. cheerlead them. Yep. And I like that because if you tell somebody, listen, man, I believe you can run to the top of this mountain, right? They're like, oh, I don't know. I believe you can do it, you know? And then, you know, they, I would have never done that if they didn't say that. Yeah. And then here they go. I mean, we've all seen it in our coaches. And I mean, it's just, it's very evident that people remember those that are humble. People remember those who encourage them with nothing to gain. Mm-hmm. So, hey, we, man, I just want to say thank you for joining us, yeah. Max. Yes, we, thank you, Max. Man, we thank love you. having you on. It's a great treat. Travis, this has been great as always. Pleasure. Well, listen, if you guys are listening right now, if you guys are in your car driving, if you're listening to this while you're cooking, make us something. But seriously, though, we are so excited and thankful for you joining us for our premiere episode of season three of Moment by Moment. Make sure you join us on iTunes, on Spotify. And guess what? If you didn't know, now you know. We are on YouTube. You can check us out uh, if you would like to watch a video. But if you're driving, we get it. That's all right. Please don't watch the video if you're driving. All right. But uh, we would love all of the people that are sharing, all the people that have been dropping encouraging messages. Uh, we have people watching all around the world. It is really amazing what God is doing. So we just want to say thank you to everybody that's been joining us. Thank you to everybody that's been sharing and commenting. We couldn't do this without your encouragement, seriously. So make sure you tune in every single Monday. We will be here wherever you guys find your podcast. You guys have a great day.